Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Labelled Podcast uh, with me, Alice and Lucy over there. Howdy. Hello. Howdy. Howdy. Are we being being American because we have an American on the show today? (laughs) (laughs) That that was not intentional, but I am (laughs) deciding that every time we do a podcast, I'm going to say hello in a different style oh okay just to love it up a little bit because what the show's not lively enough i'll probably forget like four episodes in but you know we can we can be amazed if you remember when we record again later (laughs) yeah yeah exactly how are you Uh, i'm all right thanks good how are you i'm all right thanks it's very tired but i'm all right thank you yes dear um well hopefully you've got enough energy for our um exciting double record today um but only a single release for you listeners out there in listener land um this is another episode of our pride series that uh we've been working to put together for sort of mad scrabbling for the last Uh few months and it's finally coming together i'm very excited um and today we are here with l rose l would you like to introduce yourself just yeah. say hi to everyone yeah hi i'm l um actually as she said american although i don't think i've ever said howdy to anyone in my life <laughs> <laughs> that is something i've heard my dad say um but uh, I can try to do a bad British accent if you want, but <laughs> probably it's probably the worst week to try and pick to do this, isn't it? Really, <laughs> uh, yeah. Audi in front of an American. <laughs> yeah, okay. he, will, he will go up to people in the hardware store though and be like, "Howdy, how are you?" And I'm like, "You don't know that man." But <laughs> my dad does that. My dad does that. He just randomly ends up talking to the people behind the deli counter, huh. just about, "Oh, nice weather we're having." Yeah, and then okay. you, you're there for like another half hour because you're like, exactly. Did you need to have this yeah. conversation right now, <laughs> right here? Yeah. Oh man, a little bit about me. Um, uh, let's see. I'm agender, non-binary, and demisexual or gray ace. So yay, Pride Month! Woo. I um, as we record <laughs> this, have no idea what I'm doing for Pride Month. So, um, International Asexuality Day is actually two days from today as we're recording this. So I'll figure that out first. <laughs> um, t- Brilliant. I'm 29. Um, I'm a writer, obviously American. And um, let's see. I don't know what else there is to say about me. Um, I love no, walking through graveyards. Is- I love horror movies. Um, I have two black cats. You might hear one yell at some point because they sometimes Amazing. decide it is a great time to be very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hi. My my mum sort of inherited a couple of cats when she moved into her new house. And one of them, he's this really big black cat and he's got these really um, 
prominent like protruding front oh. fangs they proper sit over his bottom jaw and he looks really ferocious he's the most terrified cat he's so scared he won't even use the cat flap oh wow. outside ah. he's like oh, no, i don't like it. if my mom opens the back door too quickly he's like ah, and runs away don't slowly oh, slow down reminds me my dad has um this cat who's he's huge he's like super like muscular like he was kind of half yeah. wild before my dad took him in and like he's also got like one fang it's like and like um but he has the tiniest voice like Aww. you like you'll be like hi carl and he'll be like <laughs> and you're like oh. his name's carl i love the fact well, his, name, his name's carlos name. um oh, okay um, but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll it's call still a carl. human name though i love animals with human names Me too. yeah you get to be like oh yeah. like george is on the fridge like that's that's <laughs> funny yeah. like, that's a fun thing to do <laughs> I have Alice yeah. and Gizmo, and to put it in perspective how spoiled they are, Alice wants food only in the right side of the bowl and only if I have stirred it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Gizmo has his own mm. pillow. They both have beds on either side oh, of my wow. desk because I work from home. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise Gizmo would come up and he started just crying until, like, I finally gave him a place to sit. And now he's like, okay. <laughs> but he will wake up Aww. and he will cry if I don't start petting him. And he's next to me and he's asleep. He wakes up and he's like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're absolutely yeah. spoiled. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. you. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to see him? I love that. Yes, absolutely. We'll definitely have to make sure we get some pictures to go oh. out with the show. Oh, look. Yes. Yeah. Just lying there. Just keeping an eye on everything. Yeah, yeah. He's a good boy. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is not the uh, the cat spin-off. That would be great, though, podcast. right? Like, for any podcast. <laughs> I bet there is a podcast yeah. about I, I would so There's be a podcast about everything. There is. So. I can. I. I. It is called the Percast. It's. Uh. I've. I've listened to it. On of course you have. Of course you have. Ali. I need that in my it's life. Brilliant. That it's basically. <laughs> uh. These two people go around and talk to people about their cats. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I need I, to. I'm gonna I, reach out to I them and be like, that. "Hey, do you, I'm serious. I'm gonna reach out to <laughs> yeah. them. Be like, hey, absolutely, you should. Do you wanna? Do you wanna be? Do you do you, do you wanna talk about my guests? <laughs> yeah that's not what we're here to talk about for sure but no today we are here to talk about pride um so one of the things that i did think uh, might be worth sort of doing up front is you've used a couple of uh phrases there including uh non-binary asexual gray sexual might be worth perhaps explaining what that means to you because i'm Fortunately, not all of our listeners oh, yeah, um, are quite as, as cool and, you know, in with the lingo. Yeah. You like like me and Lucy, you can tell how cool we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, which one do you want first? I mean, I, I um, want... let's let's go alphabetical order. I wouldn't be no, going to say that. <laughs> I'd say, I guess, a gender comes first, um, which is kind of yeah. under the non-binary flag. Um, I don't really identify as any gender. Um, I thought for a long time I was like, maybe I'm gender fluid. And then I realized I wasn't gravitating towards either one, but I still like makeup. I still like dress up. It's kind of like, well, it's it's like putting together art for me, really. It's just mm -hmm. kind of fun. That's cool. Yeah. And, but like, as far as like identifying with like cis womanhood, um, I, 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 I just don't. Um, I kind of started realizing that growing up, but then I was 
I don't know, like, I didn't really, I don't really know how to phrase it. I was just kind of like, this doesn't feel like me. But, mm. and then in college, I was like, that feels a lot more like me. But then I, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I'm still very hesitant to talk about it because I'm not, one, I'm not good at putting words to it. It just sort of feels like the black void at the beginning of regular show. Yeah. <laughs> just no i i i think that um i think you know i, I both lucy and i are, are are cis women but i think from the conversations that i've had with um uh, people who are uh you know non-binary gender fluid transgender there is for a lot of people that that period of going this doesn't feel like yeah. me, and having to do that exploration of of what does feel like who you are yeah and again for a long time i thought gender fluid but then i was like well i'm not actually flowing between anything is kind of mm. what i figured out but i still again i still like playing dress up and i know i'm perceived as a woman like i i know that and it doesn't obviously it doesn't help if i do my makeup like one and everything um i barely did any today listeners can't see it but i was like i mm. just gonna like slap something on because i'm gonna be on camera <laughs> <laughs> but um but i i do still enjoy it it's because like male gender presentation tends to be a lot more uh like it tends to be a lot less i guess flamboyant mm. whereas like yeah. women are like oh hey you know you get to wear makeup and like here's this fancy dress and here's this like i i just think that's fun but like mm -hmm. i don't really tie gender to it no yeah hmm. i think um i think it's it's really interesting as well is that um so much of kind of what you're talking about is is that sort of the, the push and pull difference between how you feel about presenting yourself and how people on the outside kind of judge you because of that yeah, and make yeah um sort of decisions about you and label you i guess yeah um because of that you know because for me you know the the elements of me that make me feel that i am a cis woman are not related to the like wearing of dresses and makeup and stuff like that it's um you know that is one way i suppose of of expressing myself but i don't necessarily feel it that is my way of expressing my gender mm. um mm. whereas you know i can i can understand how particularly if you're you know i'm coming from a, a place of kind of uh established privilege where people see me in a dress and makeup and and make that assumption and i don't have to challenge them i don't have to kind of work and any find a sort of a way of explaining myself and and my complexity beyond that mm. so um it's just it's just very interesting for me to you know hear somebody who um who doesn't identify as a gender um and yeah and is is kind of expressing themselves in those traditionally kind of feminine ways but I just it's just it's yeah it's interesting so that didn't really go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's um I, I think there are a lot of things that go into it and like for me because I'm like if I don't connect with anything I think I still want to express myself in a certain 
Like, mm-hmm. and again, it gets, it's just for me, like, I just like playing dress up. Like, um, I love, I love mm-hmm. cosplay. Um, I've never been able to do it, but I love the idea of it. Um, I love exaggerated things like costume form. Most of the time when I'm at home, I don't wear any makeup or anything, but when I'm around other people, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dress up for this. Like, it's kind of how I look at it is like, I know you're gonna perceive me as this anyway, but also mm. I just think it's fun. Like, um, mm. I used to go through all these like Pinterest boards and like makeup things, like, and Pinterest is is simultaneously the best and the worst website ever because you can find all these ideas yeah but like yeah. nothing is sourced and like i'm like i no. know nobody's getting credit for this and i i don't really know what to do with pinterest right just, like, why is it everywhere pictures together and i'm like no, it's nice. yeah, but you, you have to sign <laughs> up to see the stuff on it you have to have an account yeah. so it's and it's been yeah. really really no, useful for me also it. since um i recently became very very allergic to wheat flour so like it's been a really interesting and good for me for like friends will share recipes like if like they're either intolerant or a lot of people just experiment with it because they think it's unhealthy it's not Mm. if you can eat it then you're fine like it's a great (laughs) source of b12 and b vitamins actually but um like i'd be like oh like i really want to look like her i really want to dress up like her but when i looked at like how men were presenting i was never like oh i want to look like him like (laughs) but i wasn't i don't know i don't it's so hard to explain so i'm like i know i present a certain way but i don't feel that way (laughs) and it's also like for me it came also from some health concerns like made me rethink my entire like view of it because like i was raised in a very like you have a uterus you are a woman kind of you know cis normative environment and a lot of my family still believes that. And um, then I like I had all these like health things happen where like I had these ovarian cysts and like I ended up with endometriosis and like it's too painful for me to menstruate now, so they had to stop that completely. And it actually made me rethink everything because my entire life, womanhood and menstruation and being able to get pregnant were all tied together. And then it was like, oh, not only are these not tied together for a lot of women that you already know. But also, they're not necessarily tied to being a woman, and that's more than what being a mm. woman is. Like, the mm. idea that you were raised with is very sexist. And, like, it, it was a lot to unpack. It was a lot of grieving, to be honest. Yeah. Like, because I also had to grieve, oh, you probably can't have kids. And even if I didn't know how I wanted kids, the choice isn't really there mm, for me anymore. Yeah. Once the choice is taken away from exactly. you. Exactly. Like, like, I made the decision a long time ago that I didn't really want children, mm. but I don't know how I would feel like that's my decision. And I don't think I will ever change my mind. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I don't like kids. It's just that the practicalities of it, exactly. I think would, I have a hard time, <laughs> I have a hard time looking after myself and never mind a little human. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, but I don't know how I would feel if that, um, option was sort of like well taken away from me and gone you well you can't have kids now anyway yeah it would i think it would put a completely different spin on it Mm. um it's it's very i often i often think i often think about it like you know i don't want kids but i wonder how i would feel if somebody said well you know you can't we've discovered you can't have them whether i would feel different about the whole thing yeah and they'll they'll tell me they're like oh technically you can and i'm like but it's too painful for me to even menstruate like no 
I'm not putting no. myself through that no. just for the maybe, especially if I don't yeah. know if I want children, especially if I'm not in a place where I can provide financially and emotionally and like all those other things for a child, then I'm not putting myself through that. Yeah. I think unless you're dead set on children and you know that that's something you want to do. Yeah. You and know, even then there's no point putting yourself through that extra pain just in case of a maybe. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of doctors just don't, they don't recognize like what they're no. saying when they say that. I don't think for an example, I had ovarian cysts. They kept growing. They started in college on my right ovary. And I kept having to go to the ER because we didn't know if it was appendicitis. And that was from the age of like 19 to 23. And finally, when I was 23, one grew so large that they had to remove it surgically. And I was like, why don't we just remove the ovary? This just keeps happening. And they mm. were like, well, we want you to have the best chance of having kids. And I was like, mm. they had to remove it a month later. Yeah. So it was, I yeah. think there's, there's a lot um, amongst, I think the, the disabled community, but also I think amongst uh, the generally the, the kind of, it it is a, I, I don't like to say woman's problem, female issue, but it, there is, there is certainly something that a lot of uh, young women, um, who I know who have made the decision, actually, I, I don't think I want children, mm -hmm. um, is that constant, oh, well, you'll change your mind. Yeah. You yeah. know, you don't, you don't know what you want. Whereas I, you know, I know people who have since the age <laughs> of 15 gone, nah, not for me, thanks. Um, you know, it's something we see with, um, I mean, even we had a, a previous guest on who's a, a really good friend of mine who had um, a heart valve replacement mm -hmm. and um since then has had to be on blood thinners and she had her first um operation i think she was probably about 26 or 27 and they want really wanted to put in a um i think it would have been a uh, cow valve a bovine valve um and they said because if you if you have a uh robotic valve you'll have to be on blood thinners and that means you won't be able to have kids and she was like well i'd rather have a robotic valve that means i don't have to have another open heart surgery in 15 years yeah exactly right. and there was a lot of you know she talked about it in her episode um there was a lot of pushback from the doctors about that mm -hmm. because they were like well you know you're you're 26 you don't know what you want you might want children it's just like well I, I, but also are there not other ways are there not you know if yeah. we're living in a world where we can replace a part of the human heart with a piece of technology which is absolutely can we not explore wow. other options for yeah. child like, for you know be becoming a parent yeah like first of all that's amazing that they can like who who thought of that because i know i know pigs have a lot of genetic similarities to humans and like sometimes are used for organ transplants yeah. but like mm. I still wonder, like, who thought of that, like, and who started experimenting with that? Like, that's <laughs> yeah, who that blows who my at, mind. Who looked at uh, who looked at another animal and went, "Hang on a minute." <laughs> yeah, can I can, can we... I take your can I take your liver? Like that, not nothing weird, but no. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me. Um, if you get if you get a kidney transplant, they actually don't take out your kidney. They just you just have three kidneys now. One's just hanging out in your body. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I didn't know That's that. So... Yeah, I can sort of answer the um, the animal bits mm. 
uh, the animal, the animal bits. <laughs> yeah um so I, I again plugging another podcast that does not need uh any plugging from us <laughs> not um, a reciprocal plugging is it <laughs> no it's really not unfortunately yeah. um sawbones on i keep uh, that's another on my to listen list like mostly oh, it's great i love sawbones. i have i have so many like horror podcasts and like not yeah. i mean not the medical stuff is horror but a lot of it is horrifying yeah like kind of gives me the, he gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit yeah. like, I'm like oh, I, yeah i don't i don't think you'd you'd hack something no. like i saw personally i'm a bit of a wimp <laughs> i am a little honestly i cannot watch jurassic park without feeling a little bit sick oh no oh my gosh i will not invite you to my, horror, my jurassic park movie night then <laughs> i i will i will leave you on that one um no but yeah but back to the original like um yeah yeah um speaking of hi i also have adhd guys um and that's mean, a conversation unto lucy itself and I don't. we just but um lucy and i can just talk it's fine yeah. don't worry about it, about anything. <laughs> don't worry about it. give us a topic and we'll, we'll have a go <laughs> but i i realized i like i had so much and my my relationship to gender was so much not only like can you have babies but how does you being a woman serve cis men like is basically mm -hmm. what my entire relationship to being a woman was and i had mm -hmm. never unpacked that because i had never i had never had a reason to it was always like i'll deal with that later mm -hmm. i'll deal with that later i'll deal with that later as most queer things are you, it's, you, you don't want well, to deal it's so with entrenched them, you know it it's is. so entrenched in our society it is that yeah. it's, you know we, so we're 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 trained you know from little children not to challenge it yeah exactly yeah and i love so, that so many kids today like are challenging it because like i love it i, love I mean it. i knew people gr growing up who knew when they were kids like that they were not straight or mm. knew that they were not mm. cis like i actually um one of my classmates beat the shit out of a guy um at our school and actually um it's kind of a funny story i found out later why he did it which is not the funny part but the funny part of the story is it was at my lunch table. He like we were just sitting there eating lunch and there was like this blank space and there was like a door that came into the cafeteria that like went out and then you had a hallway in the gym. And we're just sitting there eating lunch, chatting like me and a couple of my best friends. And suddenly he just barrels through with this other guy and slams his head on our lunch table. <laughs> Whoa. Like the day just got really interesting, <laughs> but <laughs> the reason he did that though is because his little sister is trans, and the guy would not stop making fun of her, and he was like, "Nope," and just punt like he, yeah, he got suspended for that. Just badly. wasn't having it. That's just American mm -hmm. school policy, but I think I think that's I think that's a sibling thing though. My sister, oh for sure, she went. She went to school. Yeah, she went to high school. My sister, in the grounds of my school, my school. I went to a special school, um, and uh, she would often f be because like the other kids in the high school that was a mainstream school were like, oh, that's the special needs school, and like the, all this sort of stuff. And Sophie, my sister, she just took no crap. And was like, you don't, you don't talk about them like that. Like it wasn't, she wasn't just fighting for yeah. me. She was like standing up for all the rest of it. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's very. I true. thought it was like yeah. pretty cool, really. I, yeah. I, I thought what he did was awesome, but the school did not. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> no. Like, but they, they tend to be pretty. I don't know. Um, 
and if you, I don't know if you know anything about American schools, but uh, there's a lot of fighting. <laughs> there's a lot of fight, 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 fight. <laughs> so, um, although that kid, that was not a fight. That was a, that was a massacre. But <laughs> that was someone getting their ass handed. Yeah, and yeah. you know, if you ask me, he deserved it. But yeah. yeah. There's a lot of pushback against, oh, kids can't know, kids can't know. And I'm like, I I knew some things pretty early on, but I was so, yeah. I had no resources and I was so afraid to like even start. And then when I started actually dissecting that and unpacking that, um, I, and then I got to asexuality and, you know, what does that mean and everything? I was terrified to unpack that too. And I think a lot of that, I still had so much preconceived notion of your body is for other people and it, mm -hmm. oof, it's oof, it's icky <laughs> to think about yeah yeah it is um so, so like when you when you sort of got to the point when you thought okay this this is more you know more closer to what i believe i am yeah and you sort of you spoke to family and friends about it. How supportive were they about it? Did they think you were going through a phase, like it was your teenage years, and you were going through a phase, or was it was it kind of like, a, okay, we accept that kind of, mm. we'll work with you through it? It's it's kind of quite. I mean, because it sounds like it was quite difficult for you to pinpoint what it was you were actually looking for. Yeah. So you know, it, I was just wondering, like, how your friends and family reacted to that my a lot of my extended family does not know um my mom's side of the family is pretty conservative um i was raised going to bible camp level of conservative mine. yeah <laughs> um, i once beat my own pastor at bible quizzing um i went to a oh, christian wow. Wow. i'm very good at bible <laughs> quizzing it's one of my weird talents <laughs> but like I went to a Christian university and that's a whole, there's a whole lot to unpack there. Um, Cause mm. you want to talk about ableism and a white evangelical Christianity, Ooh, boy. Uh, <laughs> but um, a lot of my family doesn't know the ones who do know um, we're actually pretty supportive. My, my mom thinks that I am bisexual. Cause at one point that's what I came out to her as. Um, and I just never corrected her. And, she has been like, you know, don't be public about it. You know, you're like, she, she's very conservative, but we've kind of reached a place of agree to disagree on that. Yeah. Which is actually kind of nice. Um, I have been thinking about coming out to them as ace, but I, I'm just not really ready to have that conversation yet. Um, it'll be really interesting if they find out when I get the book done, if they find the book and be like, did our, did our, daughter write this i'll be like <laughs> <laughs> that name looks familiar <laughs> so, i kind of wonder though because sometimes my mom will say things where i'm like i think she might stalk me online but be sneaky about it you know i don't know for sure if she does or not no i know she doesn't believe in being transgender um and i think you got to understand though about her is that like she she was raised in like a much stricter environment than even I was. So like, I just don't mm -hmm. think that she's ready to unpack everything that goes along with that. My dad is more accepting. Um, my sibling is a lesbian. And when they were like, Hey dad, I'm a lesbian. 
he went, oh, yeah, I like girls, too. So, like, you know. <laughs> that's a very cool response for dad. Yeah, it's a very dad response. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be like, I like girls, too. <laughs> Join the club. Oh, man. But, I mean, it's kind of surprising to me that it ever was a surprise to my parents that we were not straight. Like, looking back, I'm like, no, we, we, we gave you signs remember when i used to only draw women in my sketchbooks and i'd be like i just think they're neat like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, i am um, my one of my well in fact my my uh former pa who used to come to work with me her son is gay and he came um out to her when he was relatively young and she just went, yeah, I know. I knew from the day you came to nursery wearing a sun hat and a dress that you were gay. Oh it's no big, like, it's no big surprise. That's wonderful. You kind of get that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is, he's caught, he's the most laid back man you you could ever wish to meet. He's just so, but he's a lot like his mum. His mum is like that as well. So, um, see, I would just, the only thing I'd say about that is, to the best of my knowledge, he's never told me otherwise. My brother is the most like cis straight <laughs> white man that you could meet. Like he's, my, I talk, I talk shit about my brother quite a lot on the show. He's a really intelligent, really like loyal, and he's quite liberal and open-minded, and he's a scientist <laughs> and he's very like practical and stuff. But he's also just one of those people who's like things come very easy to him yeah. and it's partly because he's a tall white straight cis man quite irritating really uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but he 100% used to put my dresses on when he was a little kid and call himself Miranda so... <laughs> I'm sure he's gonna love you does he listen to the show no <laughs> Miranda he barely I mean, listens when we're having direct conversations the way that you so... said that was just so British <laughs> <laughs> no it's a good yeah. thing it's a good thing but it was just so dry like <laughs> like you were giving it, it it sounded like you were giving a news report like <laughs> it was great <laughs> like I used to call myself Miranda like I, I love it <laughs> I don't think my parents would if if I was like hey I'm even if I said, "Hey, I'm asexual," even though I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the umbrella, like they would be mm. like, "Oh, that must be a disorder." Is probably what their response would be. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, eh. yeah. And what about what about so that so that was your fam family? What mm. about your friends? Were they were they more much so, more supportive? supportive? Yeah, um, they yeah. were much. Well, actually, when it comes to coming out as agender, um, I sort of got really drunk and tweeted it one night. <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah like i was like just ripping that bandage off like, fuck it yeah. i'm drunk and i'm a gender <laughs> <laughs> and i was terrified i was terrified when i woke up and i really oh god what have i done like and then i woke up over, he over here in england we call that the beer fear like you wake up in the morning you're like the what did fear. i do huh. beer fear. i can't have beer yeah. but maybe the the wine Crying? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah that work. That'll work. That that sounds like a a badly written erotic thriller. <laughs> Netflix will make a movie about it. Just wait. 
mine mine would be the ginsen the ginsen yeah and now that, that also sounds like that sounds like a better erotic thriller than the wine crime <laughs> that sounds like the wine like... crime is like the knockoff yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like somehow it like happens to be like a good b movie yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's so many oh man so many of those erotic thrillers i'm like none of this makes any sense like just mm-hmm. and is this how people actually talk to each other like this is not a sentence <laughs> people say like oh my gosh <laughs> but <laughs> i i love i love really bad erotic literature right? um mills, uh, and boone. Uh, mills and boone it's i mean mills and boone is i always find it's just a little bit cringe i like stuff yeah. that is literally just like this is just i mean uh, again again plugging another podcast that does not need my plug can you stop doing that (laughs) my dad wrote i was just thinking about my dad wrote a porno though when you said that that's the first thing that we're going i'm going to see it with two of my best friends (sighs) later uh later this month actually it's i just it's so good i just love it i love how ill-informed he is about sex oh my gosh it's on the one hand it's concerning right but on the other hand i've never oh my gosh i've never laughed so hard listening to a podcast absolutely absolutely like especially when alice has to stop and be like i have to explain to you why (laughs) him grabbing her cervix is bad (laughs) i've never listened to it but i think i might start oh loose i think you'd actually really enjoy it it's basically this guy don't um, listen to it around your mom no don't don't listen to it around anyone you don't you don't i mean i (laughs) My mom is quite um, what's the word? Like she's very like like she doesn't get embarrassed easily. I watched Bridgerton with her at the weekends, and uh, I mean, that doesn't nothing nothing phases her. To be fair, I wouldn't put that um, in the same and, category. I would say <laughs> no. if I'm if I am if I am uh, brutally honest, I think she's getting ready to sell me off for like cattle to anybody that will have me uh they seem nice i mean take my daughter take my daughter please anybody just take her away from me um but yeah so i i've got no qualms about that to be fair but that's good i will i'll start listening to it you should you absolutely should it becomes like this bizarre soap opera over time as well yeah yeah like it starts off as really really bad erotica where you're like this is not how anatomy works like let alone <laughs> and it's just weird it's so like weird. and is it the end of the first book where they're just painting symbols on one another in mud yeah, in the sex maze that's that's the beginning of the first book that's like towards the beginning Jesus. yeah but also <laughs> I could not stop laughing Amazing. when I was I remember I was listening to put in perspective how bad this is written like he's reading it and he's like and then like and then it took a while and then he just stopped and they're like oh are you okay and he was like no there was a whole blank page and just in the middle <laughs> <laughs> so he paused <laughs> for the entirety of the page the worst for sex education no. but I mean if you're I mean, if I you're listening to it for that I think it's pretty good sex education. In some ways, yes, it's because they, they correct. That's you, true. You know, yeah. Alice corrects you quite a lot. Going, no, 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 that's not how that works. Yeah, if it wasn't for Alice being uh-uh. on that show, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love Alice Levine. She's brilliant. she's so yeah. funny. Anyway, let's stop. Uh, anyway, like. I was gonna say this is this is less Pride Month and more. more uh, um, let's yeah. review other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. Uh, it's Sorry. not your fault. <laughs> Let's wind it back. So, um, so we invited you onto the show, obviously, um, Elle, because we're doing Pride Month and we're talking to people who are intersectionally uh, LGBTQIA and disabled. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that kind of intersectional intersectional experience um and you know how you identify across those borders yeah um i'll i'll do my best um oh gosh well as far as like sexuality um i identify as demisexual which is along the asexuality spectrum which is um to put it very simply asexual is no sexual attraction or i think it's no it's been redefined actually as little to no sexual attraction i because they're trying to recognize mm-hmm. like there is like a spectrum of orientations under it where they're there are like all these orientations that have like they're like almost completely asexual with like an exception and demisexual would go under that and that is sexual attraction that only forms after a close bond is formed and even for me it's not there most of the time <laughs> if it's been there once it doesn't necessarily mean it stayed and I also identify mm-hmm. as gray ace which is also kind of an umbrella term um which means rare sexual attraction I can count maybe maybe like five or six times in my life I've ever even had it and I'm not even even when I look back I'm like was that <laughs> so like I'm like was that that and um and then for disability um I have ADHD which I was not diagnosed with until 25 I have um episodes of uh severe um depression I have been hospitalized for that six times as an adult which not since i was diagnosed with adhd they are directly tied together at least for me they are and i think that's actually probably true of a lot of people with adhd because doctors don't realize that oh yeah emotional dysregulation is actually a huge part of your executive function and we're still kind of Mm. you know fighting that there's a lot of sexism that goes into and a lot of a lot of racism as well that goes into if you can even get help and get diagnosed and I, I think the community of people who have it are recognizing a lot of things about it before doctors are. So, like, that's a whole thing in itself. Um, and then there's endometriosis, which um, some people qualify as a disability. Some people have it without symptoms, and I envy them mm. a lot. <laughs> um, mm. So much. And... Yeah. <laughs> um, which for me is uh, not something that comes without symptoms. I have, um, I've been through so many different medications for it in the past. It developed it at 23. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've been on so many different medications for it in the past few years. And finally I have an IUD, but like, I mean, I'm now 29. So like I've been on several different birth controls and shots and medications for it and all these other things. Cause we're just like trying to get a handle on it. And then um, I also have generalized um, hypermobility syndrome, or I pro- I think it's probably Ehlers-Danlos, but like they're really strict on the diagnostic criteria for it. So like even if you have it, you might not get diagnosed. I scar super easily, and also like I have all these other things that come with it. I'm double jointed in twelve places. So wow. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's. Yeah, and I grew up like having to wear ankle braces, and I had to. Um, I still have these arch supports in my feet that are like because my feet did not form with arches, so we had to train them to have arches because otherwise I would have developed developed heel spurs, and that started when I was about mm. in fourth grade. Depression mm. started when I was about in 
I was about, I was 11, I was in seventh grade and then was not actually diagnosed correctly until 25. And I had to figure that out. But as far Mm -hmm. as they intersect, I mean, a lot of, uh, I've been, I've been pretty lucky with having not when I started looking for new doctors, when I, I, when I, I guess I shouldn't say I've been pretty lucky. I've been actually subject to a lot of medical gaslighting and ableism. Um, really what happened was I learned to start, I learned, I could say, no, these people are performing a service for you. You can tell them when they're full of shit. And sometimes they are. And a lot of times people are like, oh, don't, don't self-diagnose. And I'm like, if I hadn't figured this out, you never would have. Like, and then I had to be diagnosed professionally twice because insurance made me do that. So like, you know, if I'm not, if I don't have it, I'd be very surprised at this point because like, if I don't have it, what the heck is it? But, um, I've been a lot more adamant about what my treatment needs to be. And also just if a doctor is like ableist towards either ADHD or asexuality, I I just don't go back to them anymore. Mm. I used to be like, oh, you know, maybe like, but they did give me this or maybe like they did help me. No, no, we're not doing that anymore. And that can cause some problems in regards to sometimes getting treatment because Mm. um, like to put it in perspective, um, I am actually seeing a new med provider today because I was transitioning um, from, well, I, was, I guess I shouldn't say transitioning. Um, I was, I moved, I was going to say I was transitioning insurance plans, but I'm like, no, that's not quite right. I moved from one city to another and um, they were like, Hey, you know, we'll put you on the waiting list. And that was November of last year. And that's actually a pretty short time to have to wait for this stuff Mm. from November to April. Mm -hmm. And so I've been, I've had to ration my medication. I've had to, um, like I, I took it today because I'm like, well, I, my mom's also visiting after this, after I get off, um, here with you guys, I have to like finish cleaning my house and everything, but, um, (laughs) which I've been trying to do for a week because I have an executive function disorder, but, um, yeah, um, I kind of just got a lot more adamant about what I would not, wouldn't, would not accept because after wh- when I when I first started going to psych as an adult and they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder and I thought that was correct, and then I went in and out of hospitals and like no medication was working and they would make me unable to function, like completely unable to function. There's a point at which I was like, and I, I kept I kept asking, I was like, can we? can we reapproach diagnosis? Like, I think I misdiagnosed and she just would not listen to me. And I finally was like, okay. And I finally had to find somebody else who would see me. And she was like an hour drive away, at, at least on a good day. But like, it was either that or, you know, like two or three hours or keep going to this doctor who did not care if she was right or wrong about the medications she was giving me for my literal brain. Mm. <laughs> like, uh. I think it's, um, I think it's really something that um, people don't sort of think about mm. and talk about very often um, is that it's, it's almost like an abusive relationship sometimes with, Oh my with gosh. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's that you're so, you're so reliant, you know? Mm. And I mean, 
in this country we we have sort of a less less choice and diversity about um where we can go for our um you know for our general practice and stuff like that it's all kind of catchment areas because it's all nhs funded mm. um and and um, certainly you know at the moment there are so few uh, gp surgeries and family practices that are even accepting new patients because everybody's just so stretched and overwhelmed and even when you do get to go to the gp at the moment because of the coronavirus mm. um you feel like you have been a naughty school child even asking to go and see a doctor because certainly for me they're like oh no you can't come in here you're diseased go away mm. yeah. no, please go away yeah um and um and and it means that you're you know you're but but you're you're trapped in that yeah. situation of you know if this doctor doesn't understand you doesn't recognize the kind of different diversities um the layers of different you know people's yeah. personalities and experiences and you know you're you know from from what you've said you've got you know there, there are physical health issues there's neurodiversity there's mm. mental health yeah. issues there's um you know sexuality differences there is <laughs> thing upon thing upon thing yeah. and all of those are going to have an impact on your experience of the world and when you're being you know you've got doctors just putting walls up in front of you and going well i'm only looking at this only this matters only this has that impact i've made this decision yeah and and i understand you know we're not i'm certainly not a medical professional um and i i but i think that there is a really important place for self-diagnosis because yeah, there's nobody nobody knows your body better than you well and that's the thing we're living with our conditions 24 so there's no sort of like oh we're all right for 25 minutes you know like when we go and see a doctor they're seeing a snapshot mm. of you know when i go and see my gp for instance they're seeing a snapshot of me you know you know hair dry face on to a certain extent uh you know dressed you know looking quite comfortable in my wheelchair although i am never rarely am i comfortable in my wheelchair mm. um and they just see me in my wheelchair and think oh yes you can't walk they don't see the additional spasms i get i get little spasms all the time and mm. it's like there's a there's never really a, a big gap without a spasm some of them hurt some of them don't um, but the doctors don't see that. They just see a wheelchair and think, you know, yeah. oh, that's the problem. The problem is she's in a wheelchair. They don't see the extra bits and, I think, and pieces. I think that there is absolutely a place for, you know, your GP working with you sort of for diagnostic purposes, of course, because they can understand the science in a way that yeah. most lay people can't. They understand the way the body works, the way things are connected, what, you know, x can cause y and things like that but it doesn't mean that you 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 can't discount a patient's experiences no. or personality or any of those things yeah and just say well no i've i've decided this is this well and like and it reminds me of two things one a criticism i get a lot mostly online um is oh you're like if you're ace, oh, you're just on antidepressants. You just have low libido, and I'm like, that's those are not inherently tied together. 
like a lot of people think oh no sexual attraction no libido but that's not as actually necessarily the case just like asexuality does not necessarily equate with celibacy it can for sure mm -hmm. and i think for a lot of people they figure it out because they don't have any interest in sex for me it was like i want to know what's going on and like i sometimes like when this happens but also i don't really care if it doesn't and like so i was in this mm. weird gray limbo but it had nothing to do with antidepressants if anything mm. like like so i'm like right now i'm on antidepressants and i'm also on um some adhd medication which one of them um is also an antidepressant which i find really interesting it's just it's not a controlled stimulant substance and doctors hate mm prescribing stimulants like even if they're the most effective treatment for adhd they just they hate prescribing them because there's there is such a stigma around abuse and around like people taking it recreationally which it reminds it's a lot like the opioid crisis right now in america where mm -hmm. people who really need them yeah that. people who really need them are having a lot of trouble getting them because yeah. of people who have abused them and the people who abuse them also do not have access to resources to like get well from addiction so it's just this yes. vicious cycle the other thing it reminded me of was one thing that tipped me off of hey you might not have bipolar disorder was um there was like one time when i got hospitalized for severe depression where i was in for literally about three weeks and well real quick while we're on that note hospitals are nothing like they show you on tv really like they're no. not they're not these drab depressing like when it comes to psych wards they're i mean they're not fun places but you'll probably make a few friends like you're sharing things with people there who would probably never you'll probably never see them again but you're sharing your most intimate moments with each other because you just need anyone to talk to but like mm -hmm. there isn't really judgment between patients usually a lot of um there used to be a joke on like and this happens on like every psych ward i've ever been on where they're like oh yeah we get to say that because you know, we're all crazy here and the nurses would be like hey stop <laughs> like <laughs> we're but like we're like but it's true <laughs> like um but oh where did my train of thought go i'm so sorry it's okay take your time oh it came back to me okay um but i would be on the, i was on the psych ward for three weeks and i was only on antidepressants because like when they and this is a weird thing about the american healthcare system one doctor can send me to the psych ward and not tell the people there what they've diagnosed me with or any of my history because of hipaa right okay. so they're they're not legally right. allowed to tell them even though they sent me there <laughs> Which... right so they're like here take care of this person you don't know what you're treating you, you have no idea no and it's yeah. not like i could that sounds like a like, why not just have me sign a release? Like, you know, I don't... That sounds like a really shitty game show, doesn't it? <laughs> Guess what's wrong with this person? <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> I had one doctor who literally sat down with me um, and was like, so what are you diagnosed with? And didn't even do any assessment. I remember he just asked me, he's like, so what are you diagnosed with? And he was like, no antidepressants for you. But like here's the thing though i do really well on antidepressants and for people who are not familiar with bipolar disorder they typically do not want to prescribe antidepressants because they're afraid of triggering mania and i never was manic mm. like and what we figured out later was like oh you're just hyper focusing but you just didn't have the word mm. for that and that's very much an adhd thing to do is to be like so into something that you can't shift 
your focus onto another yeah. thing. Because ADHD mm -hmm. is not a deficit of attention. It's an attention regulation disorder and an executive function disorder and like a whole lot of other things. And it's it was named basically after the things that annoy people who don't have it. <laughs> I really like that. I mean, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's because I'm like, I literally don't have a deficit of attention. That's the opposite of what I have. Mm. And like, the other reason I didn't get diagnosed until 25 is because I was really good at school. And also because I was not a white mm. little boy. So like, yep. yeah. <laughs> obviously can't leave that out. If you are a white mm. boy and you have ADHD, I mean... I mean, good for you. It's good, exactly, exactly. Well done, you. Good for you. I or, wish like, that doctors had not only studied you, though. Like that would yeah, be very yeah, beneficial yeah. to pretty much every Everybody other population else. group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What you sort of think? It's. I mean, it's they. They looked around for the people like them to study, didn't they? I but I so. always just yeah. think, why? Why would you go? Let's pick this really narrow part right? of the global population and be like just look at them and then apply that to everybody else yeah like and but it's it's because they just looked in the mirror and looked for people like that exactly yeah and the same is true for autism generally if you're not a white mm. little boy you know and there's a lot of still racism and sexism that goes into diagnosis like if you are um a black child and you're like having problems that a child with adhd has you're probably going to be diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder yeah, I was like, going to say, you're going to get expelled from school. Exactly, yeah. And, and so your parents are going to be told that you're just, you you're know, just badly behaved. Just, exactly, you're just a bad child. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you're a little white boy with ADHD, you know, you're going to be, like, told, like, oh, like, you're just being boy, boys will be boys. And, like, then if you're me and you're someone raised as a girl with ADHD and you like school, but your teacher keeps being like, hey, you, you need to, like, calm down you need to calm down like i had so much energy all the time and yeah. like like what one thing of adhd assessment is are you always going as if driven by a motor and even on medication now i'm like well right now i'm writing a book and i need to write that thing for international asexuality day and i'm scheduling this podcast and um uh, then there's also i'm writing like the other fictional short horror stories and then i also work a full-time job and then i also am like pitching articles and then i'm also like getting into dance again and then i also take these walks and then i also research cemeteries in my free time and like those are just a few hobbies <laughs> i'm exhausted just like yeah i am really we we work we this work, is me tired jobs and have this podcast and we're like I had there aren't enough hours in the day. So we, when this, do I this, pod, this podcast not, is a no. time thief. No, honestly, this podcast is a time thief, and I am now not calling it a hobby. It is my <laughs> second unpaid job. Hopefully, I'll get paid that's at some point. Careful. That'll be fun. We'll start getting taxed. Taxed yeah. on that list. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hope, hopefully, we will get paid at some point. But in the meantime, it is my second unpaid job, and I love and it. If you would like to support the show by helping us, you can donate to our GoFundMe. Beautiful segue. Lucy's wetting herself in the background because I always do this and she hates Beautiful it. segue. I, I love it. She just kind of interrupts me and goes, and by the way. And by the way. <laughs> and by the way. There's never a natural way to say, hey, do you want to financially support? There, it's, it never yeah. comes naturally. 
But like <laughs> growing up, I was like, oh, I so when I went for I was hospitalized for depression first time in eighth grade. When I was hospitalized for that, I was um, making I had good grades. I was in drama club, chess club. I was in the I was in the marching band the previous summer in the marching guard um, for the first time. I was in jazz band. I also was alternating my days every day between choir and band were at the same time, and I got permission to do choir and do band, so I was alternating. Okay. Oh wow. And um, so you can dance <laughs> and sing. <laughs> I, I'm decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually am a pretty good singer, but um, <laughs> I just I, I just don't do it as often anymore. But um. <laughs> like I was doing all these things and like I I mean I was doing all these things and they never they never put together oh this person's super depressed and has all these problems with emotional re regulation but also can't stop doing things mm. yeah and you know the stuff that they say to people <laughs> you know? who have you know issues with depression is oh get a hobby do something right? that interests you do something you. that interests like, you she's got 15 hobbies yeah i've got <laughs> the problem is not that i don't have something that interests me it's that i don't enjoy any of those things when i'm depressed mm. you know but most of the time i'm it's not that i'm not enjoying them it's that i can't regulate anything that i try to do mm. yeah so but there are all these different ways that ADHDs. ADHD probably impacts my life the most. Mm -hmm. it, it directly impacts my depression because it directly impacts my ability to function, which impacts how I feel about myself, quite frankly. Um, they always diagnose me with things, generalized anxiety disorder, but I'm like, no, I think it's just not being able to function. I think that's all that mm -hmm. it is. Like for me, it is also like sensory problems of like, like, I don't know if I'm also autistic because, like, I can't get assessed for that. Like, but a lot of things with ADHD are also autism things and are also trauma things. Mm. And I'm also a trauma survivor. Mm. So it's like, well, they're basically like, you know, it's shrug. Like they don't want to diagnose you with too many things. Yeah, it's like, like no, 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 no. you've point. got you've got yeah. like all the all the jelly beans that you are allowed to have. We're not giving you any more. Yeah, and honestly, I don't <laughs> really care sense. about like if they diagnose me with certain things i'm more like i want you to treat me for the ac accurately is all that mm. i really it's people who don't people who are like oh it's not all about the label i'm like i struggled my entire life until i had this label and now i'm struggling less but i know at least what i need help for you know and it's so hard sometimes to get treatment without that label it's pretty know? much for adhd it is impossible in the United States. You can try mm. at home stuff if you want. And for some people that works. And I, I tried it. I tried so many things. I tried B12. I tried, like recently I tried this uh, thing that somebody else with ADHD actually on TikTok recommended. And he said it worked great for him, but it just doesn't work for me. I've tried excessive amounts of caffeine. Um, I've tried alcohol to slow my brain down. Um, I've I've tried ex like excessive exercise. I've like a lot of the self medication I've done has not been healthy. No, mm. you know. But I've and a lot of I've tried vitamin supplements. I've tried the daily aerobics. I've I cannot tell you how many to do lists I just keep finding in my house that I made and forgot about. Like mm. <laughs> people keep buying me calendars, and they're like, "If we, you know, if we give you the tool," and I'm like, "I, I wish that that was the end of it." 
I really do. Yeah. Mm. No. But like here in the United States, even if you need non-stimulant treatment for ADHD, because stimulants are not right for everybody. They're, I think they're best for most of us, but they're not right for everybody. Even if you need non-stimulant treatment, I mean, you're looking at like several months to a few years just to be assessed, just to be assessed. Like, and that's Mm. if they even are still taking patients by the, and you live in the same area by the time they get to you. Mm. It's yeah. And that's, that means that there's two, 18 months, two years, whatever it is of your life of the not being able to manage or trying to find ways to kind of cope and, and, and function. Yeah. um, You know, safely and healthily. Yeah. Without that support. And it's just, and then doctors I mean, wonder why people turn to self-diagnosis. And it's like, well, exactly. for one, there's not enough of you to see us. And also the one, when we do get to see you, a lot of the time you already have this preconceived notion of what you think is wrong mm. and you don't necessarily mm. care about what our, you know, you don't necessarily care about unpacking your own biases enough to actually look at what's happening. And... I think you've really hit the nail on the head there. And I think that that's one of the things that I think is really, really interesting is that there are so, so many people that we've talked to across this show, not just, you know, stuff for pride, but just generally where we as the, the disabled or the different community, we have to spend so much of our time unpacking our own biases challenging our Mm. own preconceived ideas about who we are what we can do what we need yeah whereas there are so many the the people outside the people at the top of the pile in power just sit there and go no i know best yeah we're the ones who have to do all of this work Mm. and they just just yeah don't it's a bit it's a bit like um when i went to i i was going under I was undergoing some very intense physiotherapy because I have it every now and again to kind of loosen me up a bit because I get a bit stiff, can't move very well. And one of the sessions I had was with a physiotherapist and I'd been, I'd been out and about all day and I'd been pushing myself a long, long distance. And the day after I felt like I'd been run over by a truck and I got into the physiotherapy room with the physiotherapist and I just burst into tears. And uh the physiotherapist went i'm not i'm not touching you like this this is i'm not making this worse and i started to cry and for the for the i don't normally cry in front of medical professionals because the medical professionals automatically going oh she's crying because she's sad because she's in a wheelchair (laughs) and for the first time for the first time in a very very long time this physiotherapist stood down and i I actually said to him i'm not crying because i'm disabled i'm just crying because everybody was like no of course you're not crying because you're disabled you're crying because it hurts and you don't want me to touch you so i'm not going to and then i was like but i've come all this way and he was like i don't care you know i'm not touching you it's fine but it's 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 amazing isn't it how like in my head i think that if I cry in front of a medical professional, they they either automatically prove me right by going, oh yeah, she's sad because she's in a wheelchair. But actually, the fact that I'm in a wheelchair and can't walk, or is that's probably the bottom of the list of why I get sad and frustrated and upset. 
that the fact they can't walk is, is like problem number one million and forty five probably. Um, but yeah, they automatically assume because I'm in a wheelchair, I must be really, really sad. Mm. Um, and it's that kind of internalized ableism. We're always having to fight internalized ableism of, you know, society thinks that we can't do it. So therefore they must be right. Yeah. Um, and that is a constant. And it's that's I've learned that through doing this podcast, what internalized ableism was. And when I realized what it was, I was like, oh, that's what it is. That's me. It's it's awful because, you know, in that situation, if you're sitting crying in front of a medical professional and they're going, oh, she's sad because she's in a wheelchair, it mm. means they're not taking the time to go, well, wh why might what? you be crying? Yeah. What is this? What else could this, is this pain? Is this, you know, you've just had something, you know, you're grieving, somebody's died. What what is the what are these tears about yeah, and also and also like going, god forbid that you get overwhelmed by living as a disabled person in a world that is not designed for you like i struggle with yeah. that all the time like where because i can't i cannot filter sound for my life and my neighbors are not necessarily quiet and like no. my, it's, it's like my functioning will literally shut down and like I'll become mm. extremely upset and like I've learned I'm like I've got these special like earplugs and like I've got like over the ear headphones and like different things to and especially it's really bad when I um when I'm not medicated medication really helps me with that that's another thing that it helps with because it helps with the the whole brain and everything mm. but like I mean there's so many times in my life where I'm like I'll be overwhelmed not just by that, but like, oh, like, you know, how come you don't know how to clean your house? Why are you overwhelmed by this messy room? Like, why can't you just pick yeah. a thing? Why can't you just choose a thing? Yeah. Like, just choose a thing and start. And it's not that I don't want to. It's that I literally cannot process. And it the amount of, like, you beat yourself up for that is, it's mm. so, but like, God forbid that, like, like what if i mean what if that day you were depressed about that like oh no like that that should be something they should care about too like because so, yeah, god I mean, forbid that sometimes sometimes it is not easy to be disabled and no you know it's it's just this whole notion that the, that is the only thing that i could possibly want to get upset about right that you know you know yeah. that, that it just amazes me that you know they think that oh you can't possibly get stressed at work or yeah you, know, you must only be sad about, about be, like using yeah. the wheelchair you must only be sad about it and mm. and even then it's the you know she they're assuming that she's sad about being a wheelchair user because it means that she can't run and she can't mm. use stairs and she can't not that she's sad don't want to run babes don't want to run. Running is not a fun no. activity. Well, I, I do enjoy, I, I enjoy running, but my body hates it. So like I yeah. No. Uh, it's, I, I really like running. But Alice yeah, told me she likes running. I'm like, yeah, okay, babes. You just you do you do you. I'll uh, I'll just like stay in the near biscuit. But, but it, it's I, you know, actually the thing that like that you were talking about there, Elle, about people being sad and overwhelmed and frustrated about their disability, it's it's not it's not, you know, you're not sitting there going, oh, I'm so sad that I can't, like, I get, I get frustrated and sad when I can't see something, but it's not because what, what, it, what I've learned, what's taken a lot of work for me to learn is actually what I'm sad about is not that I can't see. It's, it's not because my eyes don't work. What I'm sad about is that I can't engage with something because it's not suitable for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah. that's the that's the other thing is you know if doctors are looking at you going oh she's sad because she can't go for a nice walk and it's like well actually that's probably not why lucy is sad why lucy yeah. is sad is because the place that she would like to be outside in like the nice gardens or whatever aren't accessible it's covered to in, her it's covered in pea shingle <laughs> like, right exactly. yeah. the exactly. worst the worst stuff in the world yeah. um, and accessibility is such like a people don't realize all the things that no. are needed for it and like no. i i even find myself sometimes learning like oh you need to do that okay like when it comes to certain things or like i'm learning that about myself still all the time mm -hmm. because like they'll mm -hmm. diagnose you and then just not really I'm, I'm sure you both been through that where like they diagnose you and then they're like okay bye and you're like, <laughs> like yeah thanks well, for the pamphlet yeah. but also what do i do now <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like yeah. like that it's like that joke in The Simpsons, isn't there? That Homer, Homer Simpson goes for like some oh, medical thing, and they give they give him a pamphlet, and it says, "So your life is over." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that episode. He ate a fugu fish, and they thought he ate the poison. Yes, oh, that, yeah, he's gonna die. I love that episode. Yeah. yeah, no, I love The Simpsons. Um, it's um, it's it's just it's just, and I I think that that that's the thing I I get more it's not and it's not upset where i'm sort of pouting and get like crying and sobbing it's more oh that's really irritated me yeah so, like this morning this morning for instance so i have a <laughs> alice will <laughs> alice will vouch for me with this i have a real problem with numbers looking at numbers adding up i can't add up for toffee um i get i get confused numerically with numbers and so I looked at the calendar this morning. I got up. I actually texted Alice last night. Said, "What time are we? What time are we? What, what's happening tomorrow? Uh, uh, are we meeting beforehand? No, we don't need to meet beforehand. Okay, all right. That gives me that. I know how long I've got. To, I can stay in bed. Um, I got up, got dressed. Thought, right, I'm ready to go. And I'm sat here, and I'm like, "Where's Alice? It's ten o'clock. Where's Alice? Where, where is Alice? I was like." I'm, I'm in squat. I mean, I'm in. I'm in the recording software, <laughs> and she went. I, I'm glad you're ready because I'm not. I'm not even dressed yet. I was like, "What do you mean you're not dressed yet?" She went. It's an hour. <laughs> We've got an hour. I was like, "Oh, you're joking?" Because I'd read it as ten, and it was yeah. eleven. And I and and I was like, "I'm really irritated at my cerebral, cerebral palsy." But I'm not irritated because. Well, I was irritated because I got up early. I wasted an hour. But, um, yeah, you just think, oh, God. It's, it's like little irritating things like yeah. your brain not being able to understand numbers or not being able to get into a building or um, being told no. Yeah. That is the biggest irritation of my life. And I think, I think, you know, extending it beyond medical professionals and reflecting a little bit back on the experience of, uh, you know, people who have gender and sexuality intersectional um, experiences yeah. is mm. that there, I think there is a lot of crossover there of just people not necessarily recognizing the the little issues, the small everyday sexism and, um, you know, the, the other prejudices that people are going to be facing and experiencing and, and just those the, the preconceptions that, and assumptions that people have when they meet you yeah. um yeah that 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 is going to be what chips away at you and builds up at you and and so if you if you were then sitting there in floods of tears people are going to look at you and go oh you know 
it's she's she's sad because she's got depression or she's sad because whereas actually you know maybe you're sad because you're just so sick of not of having to define yourself or you're just Mm. so sick of you know slurs being hurled at you in the street or not having a you know not being able to access the the gender appropriate toilet because people have given you shit for it or whatever it is yeah you know it's not again it's not about what's going on inside you right at all yeah and there's there's an argument some people have that like and i don't personally agree with this um because when i was unemployed for months in 2020 i I could not function there's an argument that like ADHD is only disability under capitalism. And I'm like, well, I still need to take care of myself outside of a capitalist system. But I will agree that living in a capitalist system makes, I think, all disabilities so much more difficult because like if you're if you're not able to work, then you're not seen as having any value. And in the United States, at least, if you want to be on disability, which is basically poverty wages, um, you have to first prove that you are disabled but in order to prove that you have to keep going to the doctor but your health insurance is directly tied to your employment but you can't be employed while you're applying for disability so like my i actually knew a guy who he had he had two strokes in a row and he went through a bunch of physical therapy and he was trying to get on disability um and he 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 um did um make like really good progress with the physical therapy and like um he he definitely made a lot of progress and a lot of recovery from like from having again two strokes which wow yeah i i can't <laughs> i can't even imagine really no, what that I must have been you. like but um no he was denied disability because they said oh you're on medicaid and that's paying for your physical therapy and he's like but i still have thousands upon thousands of dollars in medical debt and have to eat and like you know he still has mm. to like mm. get by in the world and is yeah yeah just because your medical bills are being paid for that does not mean that you and not even all of them. rent and not even all of them yeah no. and uh like god forbid that you know you don't want to end up homeless like that's the united states has so many problems <laughs> i mean it's it capitalism is a problem for everybody for who sure. is not aged probably what 18 to probably 18 to 35 white i'd say 18 to 35 able-bodied. honestly yeah like white able-bodied yeah, cisgender man. Like, yeah cisgender man yeah. straight man <laughs> yeah very yeah. very very vanilla yeah it's just it's 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 so <laughs> sorry just referring to white people as vanilla i'm like you're not wrong <laughs> but <laughs> very vanilla and very boring um but yeah no i mean it really is you're absolutely right. It's like for everybody who does not fit into this very narrow demographic. Mm. And it's part of why I, when I'm looking for a new job, which I'm, I'm looking for a new job right now, if anyone's looking for a writer, no, um, that, <laughs> but seriously, if anyone's looking for a writer, but um, mm-hmm. I am looking for a new job just because I, I find my job personally to be very boring. I know some people really thrive in it, but I, I'm just not one of those people. But part of the reason I'm not looking for a stand-up job anymore is because my joints are just so like I used to when I worked at Sam's Club um which is like a branch of Walmart I don't know if you guys have it over there um for like eight months and I finally had to like leave because I would 
be in tears every single day from standing for eight hours. And I'm like, I know that other people hurt from this, but <laughs> like, this is not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so now when I'm looking for a new job, I'm looking for something where I'm mostly sitting because I know that my body has a certain tolerance where it's like, okay, by the way, your collagen doesn't work. And like their connective tissue did not form correctly. And you're going to be not only completely exhausted and unable mm. to function, but also crying every single day. If you take a job where you were mm. standing eight hours a day and like, it's just, it's so frustrating <laughs> to like, try to look because so many things are like, like, I don't know if you guys have this over there, but in America, if you're a cashier, you're not allowed to sit down. There's like a popular phrase of if it's time you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Like mm -hmm. no matter if you're able bodied or disabled or or not, you still have to rest. I think we specifically have seats behind the till. Like I was gonna say, my... why is there not? Who cares? Oh no, you're you're gonna be really upset when you figure out what an office is. Like <laughs> <laughs> my my friend works in a supermarket in in the UK, and he has worked out that if you sit the chair far enough back, you can spin right round in a circle, so he doesn't have to get up. So I'm like, well done. I, uh, I applaud him. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he said he said to me chairs with wheels are a revelation aren't they i was like uh-huh they're pretty they're great quite... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think yours allows you to go 360 degrees the way that a swivel <laughs> chair does so. I, I give it a good i give it a good go i mean to be honest um I, I get annoyed if i sit in a chair that has no wheels if we're sat in a traffic jam and i'm in the car I get very fidgety very quickly. <laughs> I've been, people can't see it because it's going to be audio, but I have readjusted how I've sit, been sitting as we've been talking here like 30 times. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Like, and it kind of reminds me of like, speaking of like disability and presentation and everything. It's not that I didn't present with ADHD as a kid. It's that I didn't present as a boy with ADHD who had bad grades because mm. my I was interested yeah. in school and that's a big thing is people think that it's just about like school and grades and it's so not I mean it is about mm -hmm. that too but it's also about like how you process the world in a funny way that that really resonates with me when I I got diagnosed with my eye condition when I was I think I was about six mm -hmm. and I can remember there was so much kind of, and, and it's partly, you know, thankfully our our state school system's not perfect, but we do try. There has certainly been a push over the last 20 years to yeah. keep disabled students in mainstream school where possible and trying to make things accessible. And so there was, I, I say disabled children, it dis cert, disabled children of a certain um ilk there are certainly children with certain disabilities that they're like no 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 don't let them you know don't let the riffraff mix with everybody else um but so i um i think that that i there was a big push throughout my secondary education of mm -hmm. what can we do to make school accessible for alice how can we make sure she engages and stays in school but there was no work done around what can we do to help 
her at home what can we do to help her socially what can we do to build her confidence and things like that it was all you know let's make sure she can read the text she's given at school let's make sure she sits at the front of the class yeah um you know there was no additional work done to kind of explore how actually living with a disability impacts you <laughs> outside of education yeah mm. uh, and I think that that is something that you know a lot of young people and children with disabilities you know the the things that they have access to I, I did some volunteering at a school for children with learning disabilities and there's a big um, you know mix of, of students of different physical and cognitive um, skills and that the the stuff they have access to at school is absolutely amazing yeah but you know that some of these children are going home to overcrowded uh you know poorly maintained social mm. housing where you know mum's working two jobs and trying to raise all of her kids and you know maybe they don't even have an accessible bedroom and things like that it's you can't it, it doesn't make sense to me how there is this focus on this is what we see this is this is the bit that other people and strangers see once you're at home and we shut the door yeah. that's your problem yeah and also you know home home life for a lot of disabled children as uh, you know as a family unit is not always picture perfect mm. you know alice and i are, are very lucky as far as i know alice you and i have both been brought up in a very loving caring home but i certainly know of friends who did not have that luxury they were you know they weren't loved and cared for they you know they were it was quite it was a very difficult environment for them to grow up in and you and then what you what you have to then remember is that support you know that educational support and you know that the the local authority feeding in and helping them as much as possible you know to stay supple with physiotherapy and all that kind of that extra help um gets switched off as soon as you turn 18 16 18 yeah. it, mm. it disappears overnight so then then what are these disabled children who you know who have been supported up until the age of 16 or the age of 18 left with if they're not as lucky as alice or i were where they've got a supportive family fighting for for their rights and what is right for them they're just sort of left aren't they yeah i do feel like i should just interject here because i when lucy said you know as far as i know about your background um yes i my my family were very loving and caring and supportive to both me and miranda <laughs> alice i thought i'd said something horrendously bad then i was like okay <laughs> i feel like yeah, i should interject I really... miranda <laughs> i had to lift the mood a little bit yeah um, oh man Al, is there anything before you go that you would like to uh would, would you like do you'd like to mention or plug oh, or gosh. where can we find you on the internet um legally follow you legally follow <laughs> you. um kind of funny thing of speaking of the last point if you google twitter and it's okay to be gay you'll probably find a, a twitter thread that i wrote like two years okay. ago that went viral but um okay. but um it's under secret lady spider on patreon and twitter and tumblr but the first e is missing and then um 
on YouTube. The E is there, but I have not there. I might have put out a YouTube video by the time this comes out because people keep subscribing to that channel and I'm like, I should probably make something. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise it's just people it's subscribing like to Skylar. But it's, it, it was originally about um, like you, fictional characters and mental health and like then there's another cinema therapy is doing that but they're doing it so much better than me but they also have like <laughs> an actual filmmaker so i don't know if that's really fair <laughs> <laughs> but they, they are a really good channel actually if anybody's looking for i'll them. tell you what al if you send us all of the links to your social medias we can put them in your episode hey i probably won't do that today you. i'm just going to be totally honest that's absolutely fine <laughs> just as as and when uh and that will we can include all of your links to everything in the episode description of this um I'm trying to think if there's anything episode. to add uh, oh 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 <laughs> I had one. I had one. I'm so sorry. Go on. Um, <laughs> asexuality is not necessarily tied to disability, but for some people it is. And e honestly, either way is fine. But like, it's not something that needs to be cured. It's not an illness. It's like just, you know, mm. while we're in that realm. Yes. Very good point. Very good point. Alice, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, um, I think we should also make sure that uh, we plug all of the other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I will also make a list of every other podcast we've mentioned <laughs> in this episode oh, for you to go and listen to them instead of us. But, no, yeah. I think the key will be that we'll tag them in all of our posts in the hope that they're like, hey, there's this other podcast. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if my dad wrote a porno notices this, I will be I mean... ecstatic. <laughs> like, never, will you know I, I'll, I'll rush the stage when I go later our motto, like, our, motto, our motto is uh if you don't ask you don't get so um yeah i mean that's so uh, well, we can we can try true. or um also yeah. my as my dad's motto is well motto not really his motto but he will often joke about <laughs> um it's better to ask forgiveness than seek permission <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly the first time i ever heard that phrase was when i was telling a friend of mine about how i'd really really like pet chickens but my husband was having none of it and she was like well you could always you know, you could always adopt a chicken you know i mean <laughs> she's right you like, could the... you could see what, what happens uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i i suspect my dogs would eat it oh. so and, but... and can i just can i just uh interject with what my father would say is they don't get chickens they bring rats so make oh we live right near a brook so we've already got oh, rats yeah, huh. yeah so well it'll bring even more rats you'll be like the pied piper don't do oh, it oh fun <laughs> oh, <fine. laughs> thank you so much for your Sorry. time today i'm thinking about the pied um, piper um, thank you so much for having me on um it's really, really absolutely Lovely yeah, to it's talk to you. Thank really you. interesting to talk to you. Thank you so much. Um, and listeners, uh, don't forget to stay tuned. We've got a bunch of other Pride episodes in this series. So go and listen to the ones that are out and the ones that are coming. And uh, we will see you uh, on the flip side. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.